on Broadway for Monday, October 30th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I am on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. Hey, Natalie. Wait, cool. Wait, hey. What I, what, I'm so confused. What happened? I don't know. I'm so, what's <laughs> going on? We've never done this before, James. No, we haven't. No. So we are all over the map here. Yeah, we're breaking new ground on a daily basis here on Broadway Radio. So, Natalie, you've been doing your weekly theatrical schedule segment for a few weeks now, and you had Mm -hmm. a new episode of On My Way to a BFA come out this past weekend. So we figured, why not bring you on and just have you a big part of the integrated uh, Today on Broadway family? So you're going to tell us about everything that's going on this week later in the show. But if there's anything that you want to add into the normal course of the show feel free but let's start with everything that's happened here on broadway radio over the weekend first on friday afternoon the latest episode of stagecraft with jan simpson was released where jan interviewed lonely planet playwright steve Dietz. that was a great listen so go back on friday so that was in between today on broadway and natalie's episode to find that one and then on saturday afternoon natalie we released your latest episode why don't you tell us a little bit about that while you're here with us Yeah, so I interviewed Karen Mason for my latest episode, and she is a wonderful Broadway leading lady. She was Glenn Close's standby in Sunset Boulevard on Broadway and has done other amazing shows such as um, Hairspray and just a whole bunch. So I got to interview her and we talked about her college experience, about life lessons and a lot of other things. So, yeah, it was great to talk to her. Yeah, and she is currently touring the country as Madame Giri in the Phantom of the Opera sequel, Love Never Dies. So she'll be coming here to Orlando here next month. So I'll be seeing her then. Um, And James, as you probably remember, and I put it in the show notes for On My Way to a BFA, Karen was on this week on Broadway back in February talking about like her sixth or seventh album that had been released earlier this year. Yeah, Karen uh, has quite the catalog of of albums. She does, uh, you know... In between various Broadway shows, she does a lot of uh, of concerts and uh, cabaret and things like that. And having all different albums there that she produces with her husband, Paul Rolnick. Uh, I've been fan and friends with Karen for 20 some odd years. And they, Karen and Paul are such a great team and they put out some great albums. So uh, we figured have them on uh, this week on Broadway and... Uh, and I'm sure that if you, when you get to see Love Never Dies uh, down in Orlando, I'm sure that her album will be for, for sale in the lobby. <laughs> if they're smart, if they're smart. Uh, but James, we had one more episode come out uh, over the weekend, and that was this week on Broadway, where you spoke with Jenna Tessa Fox and Michael Portantier about the Portuguese kid in Butterfly Torch Song, amongst many, many other things. Sure. It was uh, Peter was out of town. Janice jumped in and uh, pinch hit for G, uh, for uh, Peter. And we had a great conversation about Portuguese Kid and, and Butterfly Torch Song. Uh, Jenna had also seen uh, a reading of a play that is very, uh, not done very often. And uh, so it was a fun time. And uh, we're looking forward to getting more of Jenna Tessa Fox. Mm, nice little tease there, James. Um, before we get into the main episode, we did want to mention that yesterday uh, over at MTC Samuel J. Friedman Theater, the Broadway production of Prince of Broadway, the How Prince Review, ended its Broadway run. Uh, it was one of these shows, James, that had an unbelievably winding road to Broadway. It was first announced 
to be on Broadway back in like 2014. And then that got canceled. Then it went to Tokyo to have its premiere. And then it finally ended up on Broadway with an incredible cast. Um, Some of the best Broadway performers that there are. We've talked about this show quite a bit, so I won't bore anybody with that. But congratulations to everybody over at The Freedmen. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a show that ends up getting done quite a bit in the hinterlands. I think so, too. Uh, Prince of Broadway has got, you know, some of the best music from some of the best shows. It it certainly is the type of thing that is an audience pleaser and will, I think, will be done in many, many regional and community theaters around the country. Absolutely. And, James, we've bantered on a little bit longer because Natalie's here. and We've got so much to talk about. But I did want to say that I, I feel right like the news. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying maybe people will <laughs> recognize some music in the background. Um, it was one of the most stressful uh, and incredible football games I've ever watched. And while my team was victorious what? in the end, um, unless unless you turned it off with like 10 minutes left, then you would have thought that Penn State won by 15 or 18 points. But no, the Ohio State Buckeyes did win. So while we're not going to be singing, James will not be singing. We have some musical choices selected for out th- for the rest of this week. So uh, the Buckeye Battle Cry is the song you are very likely hearing in the background right now. <laughs> See, you know, if you'd like to go that go down that route, that's fine because last year Penn State won by three, and this year Ohio State won by one. So on a cost average basis, Penn State is still the winner. Um, that's not how sports work. <laughs> Well, I don't know how sports work at all, so I would honestly, I'd believe that. Okay, <laughs> you well, see that? Yeah. Excellent. You know the Venn diagram, the Venn diagram, yeah. and, and let me say this whole thing about, you know, my former good friend Debbie down in Washington D.C. <laughs> I did not know she's an Ohio State fan. I totally expected her to be in support of Penn State, you know. And Debbie Schrager, we're going to have to have a discussion about that. <laughs> all right, first up in the news. Donald Trump and Michael Moore spar on Twitter. <sighs> you know how much I love these stories, James. Yeah. But this one <laughs> this one started out on Saturday night when the president tweeted, quote, while not at all presidential, I must point out that the sloppy Michael Moore show. I, I'm not exactly sure what sloppy is modifying. Is it modifying Michael Moore or is it modifying the Michael Moore show? Either way, that's up to your own interpretation. Anyway, the sloppy Michael Moore show on Broadway was a all caps total bomb and was forced to close. Sad exclamation point. Fake news. As I discussed, yeah, fake news. As I discussed with our friend Scott on Twitter, only one part of Trump's statement is actually factually accurate. And that is the fact that it was not presidential for him to say that. (laughs) As we've discussed before, Terms of My Surrender wasn't exactly setting box office records, but considering it was a one-man show written by the performer, it was certainly doing well enough to not be a significant money loser. So while it wasn't, you know, the biggest hit on Broadway, it was definitely not a bomb. Uh, I mean, it's not like Michael Moore is going to have to declare bankruptcy because the show was so terribly run or anything like that. Hmm. Anyway, um, but also, yes, the show closed a week ago yesterday. But seeing as how it was always billed to be a limited run to close on October 22nd, the date it closed, I think that's strike two for the president. And Natalie, that's a sports reference. Strike two. Sports Great. Reference. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for informing me. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, theater Twitter responded in full force. But the only voice that mattered in this discussion was Moore's, who in a series of tweets said, quote, 
One, you must have my smash hit of a Broadway show confused with your presidency, which is a total bomb and will indeed close early. Not sad. Today, one U.S. service member was killed and six injured in our never-ending war in Afghanistan. You, our president, are not even aware of this. You are aware I'm a Broadway star, and I guess this bothers you more. Sad. Then more randomly returned to numbering his tweets. So whatever. Anyway, with quote four, Prosecutor Mueller's grand jury has just approved the first criminal indictments of your administration. Are you trying to distract us from this? Five, 38 days after Maria, three quarters of Puerto Rico, you said PR, uh, our fellow Americans have no electricity, yet you are more upset that so many people saw my Broadway show. Sad. Six, they say Twitter distracts you from your presidency, but Twitter is your presidency. It's all you know how to do. Hashtag loser exclamation point. Seven, and now for this weekend, I'm your latest distraction from your crimes. Ha, raucous and joyous crowds every night on Broadway and you missed out. Eight, it was the highest grossing play parenthetically non-musical, of the summer, despite my offering $29 cheap seats plus student a free student ticks so all could afford. Nine, as announced on May 1st, it was always a 12-week only run due to my commitments to my upcoming primetime TV series in my new movie. Ten, on Broadway, Donald, they call it a limited engagement, just like we're planning on making your presidency. Then Moore posted a picture of himself with the president's potentially indicted son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and said, 11, for now, at least I know I still have one fan in the White House. Thanks for the unwavering support, Jared. <laughs> and then he closed off the thread with pictures of the sold-out audiences at the Belasco and said, and thanks to all who filled this beautiful theater for each show. Uh, James and Natalie, these, these are not the story. I truly try to avoid these stories as much as possible. Um, I, I normally wouldn't read through all of those tweets, but despite the fact that I have my own issues with more on certain things and I don't really love the way he's handled a number of things in the past. I honestly could not have said it better myself. Yeah. I mean, Michael Moore is, uh, uh, you know, Trump took the bait, you know, uh, it was, uh, that's all, all Michael Moore wanted all along was for Trump to, uh, you know, respond to this show and he finally did it. And, uh, as we said last week, or maybe two weeks ago, that this show is going to go on, and Michael Moore is going to do it in a bunch of different venues. So, uh, just giving him more material. Great PR. Yeah. yeah, it's great PR for it. So there you go. All right, what's up in the show and casting news? All right, on Friday, the Second Stage Theater announced the complete cast for the upcoming world premiere of Greg Pierce's play Cardinal, which will be directed by Kate Wariski. The cast will feature such luminaries as Emmy nominees Becky Ann Baker and Anna Klumsky as Nancy and Lydia, respectively. Also in the cast are stage and screen stars Alex Hurt, Adam Paley, who's a hilarious actor and comedian, Stephen Park and Eugene Young. The play will begin previews at the Tony Kaiser Theater on January 9th with an official opening on the 30th of that month. The show's description reads, quote, paint it red. So begins Lydia's wild idea to invigorate her Rust Belt town. But when a whip smart entrepreneur co-ops her scheme, a precarious rivalry is born. A battle for the town's soul ensues, causing its obsessive mayor, its defiant matriarch and the rest of its residents to question who they are and where they're headed. In other broad or in other off-Broadway casting news, New York's Atlantic and the UK's Royal Court Theaters announced the cast for the US premiere of Martin McDonough's Olivier Award-winning play the of of Hangman, sorry, Hangman, no the I'm a stickler for articles, so just hangman. Uh, the show will be directed by Olivier winner Matthew Dunster and will feature Mark Addy, Owen Campbell, Billy Carter, 
cool writer himself, Maxwell Caulfield, Johnny <laughs> Flynn, Gaby, I'm glad you like that one, uh, Gaby French, uh, Giles Geary, Richard Hollis, John Horton, David Lansbury, Sally Rogers, and Reese Shearsmith. Uh, Natalie, do you have any idea who a uh, cool writer is? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, a Watch Grease 2. Grease 2. Right. I want a cool ooh, ooh. writer. You yeah, know. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. You know, it's far go. superior to the original. Far and superior. Now, to was Maxwell Caulfield Dan? Was his character named Danny in that as well, or was it a no. totally different thing? I, no, I completely different. The only connectivity, the only connective tissue between the two was that they were both at Rydell and Frenchie um, is in both. Uh, but he he did not play a character named Danny. He played, um, if I'm scrolling fast enough. Um, not, I'm not scrolling fast enough. You know, who is a, uh, who is a connoisseur educator of Greece too? Uh, David Levy, David Levy. Absolutely. (laughs) Michael, Michael Carrington is, uh, was the character's name. Anyway, back to the, uh, the task at hand, Flynn Rogers and Shearsmith actually appeared in the original London cast of the show. And, uh, the show is described thusly in his small pub in the Northern English town of Oldham. Harry is something of a local celebrity, but what's the second best hangman in England to do? On the day they've abolished hanging amongst the cub reporters and pub regulars dying to hear Harry's reaction reaction to the news. His old assistant, Sid, and the peculiar Mooney lurk with very different motives for their visit. The limited engagement will begin performances on January 18th and is currently scheduled to run through March 4th. Sticking off the main stem, also on Friday, the off-Broadway return production of the mega-musical Jersey Boys announced its cast, and it features many alums of the shows, especially the most recent Broadway tour, including all four seasons. Leading the company will be Aaron DeJesus as Frankie Valli, Nicholas Dromard as Tommy DeVito, Mark Edwards as Nick Massey, and Corey Giacoma as Bob Gaudio. The production will begin performances at New World Stages, Stage one, if you're scoring at home on November 22nd for an open ended run. And finally, in this section, guys, it's not exactly the biggest of productions and probably not something we would normally talk about at all, except for the fact that residents of Wisconsin are in for an incredible experience as semi-retired Tony winner Karen Oliva will be making her Madison stage debut as Allison in the Forward Theater Company's production of Fun Home. Many of you will remember back in 2013, Olivo announced that she was retiring from acting following the emotional roller coaster that she'd experienced in her personal life, as well as in performing demanding roles, especially the off-Broadway musical Murder Ballad. She announced that she planned to start over by moving to Wisconsin, where she began teaching and creating art. And then when the Chicago sit-down production of Hamilton, which was written by her good friend and regular collaborator Lin-Manuel Miranda opened, she was cast as Angelica Schuyler. Olivia, or, uh, Olivo exited the production a few months ago and apparently will return to the stage sometime in the 2018-2019 forward theater season. No production dates have yet been announced. Now, guys, I am a huge Karen Olivo fan dating back to In the Heights and specifically the PBS documentary about the show, which will be rerun uh, coming up here in the next Next few weeks, I don't exactly remember the date, but I'm very glad that she is feeling ready to get back on the stage on a regular basis now, even if it isn't in New York. So which Allison is she going to be? 
she's she's adult Allison. She's just Allison. She's not little Allison. She's not medium Allison. She's just Allison. The question is, uh, you know, it's obviously this is not the Broadway production or, or the you know directors or anything, but. Uh, if you remember, um, uh, Kate Schindel had to cut her hair to play the role on tour. I wonder if Karen's going to cut her hair. Well, Not that uh, that really matters, I but... think there was a thing about that, that Kate decided to cut her hair. She no. Uh, did, no. did No, they made her. She didn't want to. She'd asked if she could wear a wig, but they, oh, they that's said... Right. that's you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, this obviously has no connection to that production, but... Um, being somebody who has no hair on the top of my head, I'm always interested by the lengths that actors, male or female, go to with their hair for roles. So, yeah, you know. me too. And I love Karen, so I'm excited to see what they do well, with this production. And, and this is not, uh, Natalie. This is not too far from your hometown. I know. Um, I was thinking that if there's any Chicago, no, um, yeah. Yeah, depending on when it is, they haven't announced the dates yet. But if you uh, are in Chicago when this is going, and you don't go, I will be very mad at you. All right. I'll go. <laughs> Good. I'll see it. <laughs> I did not read forward in the script. Are you going to talk about the uh, uh, PBS um, falsettos this weekend? Uh, um, we talked about it leading up to it, but I'm not going to talk about it in retrospect since we've already talked about the production and are the we going to find out any? Have we? Uh, are we going to find out any numbers or anything like that? Do we? We don't normally get those things from PBS, no. do we? No, PBS does not normally subscribe to Nielsen's ratings. Huh. But uh, uh, just, to, you know, uh, unscientifically, lots of positive feedback I've seen on the uh, social media, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, lots of people enjoyed um, watching Falsettos once again on PBS this uh, past weekend. And that's one of the things that I mentioned with the in the Heights documentary that every Friday night for the for most of the fall, PBS is doing some sort of theatrically related content. So every Friday night, let's be honest, you don't have anything to do. Just uh, sit at home and watch PBS. It's probably better than reading the president's tweets. <laughs> All right. Next up, the greatest showman on Earth, the, the greatest showman, not on Earth. Yes. It doesn't say that. On Earth. That's no, it used to be called the greatest showman on Earth. Actually, yes. but they shortened the name of the movie. The Greatest Showman releases two new Pasek and Paul songs. Uh, yeah, James. Uh, the Greatest Showman, as we've talked about before, is this new movie musical that's being released on Christmas Day. And it features a score by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. And it's being led by some guy, newcomer Hugh Jackman. Mm. Um, and he will be playing P.T. Barnum. Now, just to make sure everybody's 100% clear... This has nothing to do with the musical Barnum, the Jim Dale uh, musical. Um, it, it, that's pretty obvious when you listen to the new songs that they released. It is very Pasek and Polly. Uh, their songs are very familiar to people who are kind of used to their style, whether it's from Dear Evan Hansen or Dogfight or Edges or even Christmas Story or anything else. You hear the strains of Pasek and Paul in these songs, but they released two songs on Friday. The first one is called This Is Me, and it's performed by the phenomenal Kiala Settle. She plays Letty Lutz, the bearded lady, and it is unbelievable. Uh, the other one is called um, The Greatest Show, and it's kind of a big group number um, with some you can imagine there's some sort of choreography going on uh, in the opening of the song because it takes a while for them to start singing but very very cool there's a lot of buzz about this film leading into the holiday season so I would not be surprised if this does incredibly uh, well have, have either of you guys heard these songs yet 
No, I haven't yet. Well, we'll have a link in the show notes at broaderradio.com if you want to listen. They're they're very good. I'm very, very excited. The, the film's got a great cast. In addition to Hugh Jackman and Keala Settle, you've also got Zac Efron, Michelle Williams, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, uh, Paul Sparks, the legendary Diane Carroll, as well as some other Broadway folks, including Will, Sw- uh, Will Swinson and Eric Anderson. So I think this will be a, a big hit come holiday season. And uh, Tim Fetterly uh, taking up some columnages in the New York Times. Tell us about that. Yeah, if, we've talked about some of these um, these segments or these features before. That the New York Times regularly kind of goes to New York folks, a lot of times theater folks, and just kind of learns about their homes, whether it's an apartment, a brownstone, whatever it is. And this past past Sunday, they did so with. Uh, one of the cool, the, what a great career this guy's had. Tim Federley started as a musical theater actor on Broadway. Then he transitioned to a writer who has not only written a bunch of books, but also uh, co-wrote the adaptation of Natalie Babbitt's book, Tuck Everlasting, when it came to Broadway a couple seasons ago. His latest book, um, I believe it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of like a self-help book that uh, focuses on Broadway. It's called Life is a Musical, How to Live, Love, and Lead Like a Star. Um, it was just released. I read um, one of his novels, The Great American Whatever. It's very, very good. He's a great writer. But anyway, this is a great article. Go look at it. Go online and look at the pictures. And one of the reasons, James, we're talking about this is because as you scroll through the pictures on the ninth picture, they have a nice shot of his uh, bookshelf. There's a ton of theater books on there. I see uh, one of Stephen Sondheim's books, Look, I Made a Hat. You see Michael Riedel's Razzle Dazzle. See one of Jennifer Ashley Tepper's Untold Stories of Broadway. I don't see the other two, (laughs) so uh, he needs to have those. But as you start looking and start looking a little closer, there's a book called Let's Put on a Musical. James, are you familiar with this book? Oh, you know, it sounds like a Peter Felicia book. That is a Peter Felicia book. Our very own Peter Felicia's book (laughs) has a place of prominence on Tim Fetterly's bookshelf. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that it's right, not right next to the great parade, uh, Peter's yeah. most recent book, but whatever, you know, maybe it's on one of the shelves that's not featured. But, uh, uh, the one thing that I'm not very comfortable with is the fact that these books are not alphabetized. Um, it bugs me a little bit. It bugs me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it's, it, it unnerves me. It unnerves me a little. Are so- your books alphabetized? Uh, yes. Um. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Peter Felicia's apartment, where he has oh lord thousands and thousands and thousands of playbills, okay, and they are not alphabetized. They are in opening night order. Okay, that makes sense. They're at well, least organized. So maybe the, maybe the books are maybe the, not. Tim Federley's books, or it could be also. This sometimes would happen is that. Um, you know, the, whoever the photographer was pulled out the most colorful books and put them all together and staged the photo. You know, they I were... would I would protest. No way that are you putting a picture of my bookshelf at the New York Times? The books aren't alphabetized. Hell to the no. <laughs> little OCD there with uh, a little Matt no. <laughs> No, whatever. Anyway, okay, Natalie, we have brought you on the show to talk about next week's theatrical schedule. So without further ado, we've bantered and just been dumb for way too long. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what to look forward to over the next seven days? 
All right. So first up on Monday, Illyria opens at the Public Theater. From Richard Nelson, the creator of the most celebrated family plays of the last decade, comes a drama about a different kind of family, one that's held together by the belief that the theater and the city belong to all of us. Tuesday, the world premiere of Mean Girls begins performances at the National Theater in Washington, D.C. and will run through December 3rd. This production will then make the move to Broadway's August Wilson Theater, where it will begin previews in March of 2018. The show is directed and choreographed by Casey Nikoloff. Taylor Louderman from Broadway's Kinky Boots will take on the lead role of Queen Bee Regina George with Ashley Park from The King and I and Kate Rockwell from Bring It On as her fellow plastics, Gretchen Wieners and Karen Smith. Erica Henningsen will play the central role of Katie Heron. Also on Tuesday. I'm I'm sorry, Natalie. I'm so excited about this. I have zero reason to be excited about this because I've never seen the movie, but I am very, very pumped about Mean Girls. I'm so excited. Peter yeah. Marks, uh, Peter Marks in the Washington Post has got a great article today, uh, a, a feature on Mean Girls from the Washington Post uh, on in Sunday's uh, Washington Post. So check that out. It's a great article. Yeah, yeah. You know why I know it's a great article, James? Why? Because I mentioned it on Friday's show. Okay. If you're going to be all linear and everything, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Natalie. Again, we're in. Okay. All right. Next on Tuesday, the off-Broadway production of Stuff will open at the West Side Theater. Now, this play features Lisa Lampanelli's famously irreverent voice, signature wit, and it delves into our relationships with food. So sounds like an interesting production to me. And next, we have Manhattan Theater Club's production entitled Actually, which begins previews on Tuesday. At a party during their freshman year at Princeton, two students connect in ways that seem innocent enough at first, but then things start to progress and they find themselves in murky territory. This production explores the intersection of gender and race on campuses today. Next, Atlantic Theater Company's Describe the Night starts previews on Wednesday. Set in Russia over the course of 90 years, this play traces the stories of seven men and women connected by history, myth, and conspiracy theories. The cast features six-time Tony Award and two-time Grammy Award nominee Danny Burstein, Rebecca Naomi Jones, well-known for her portrayal of Yitzhak and Hedwig, and more. This production will officially open on November 20th. Also on Wednesday, the original Broadway production Meteor Shower will begin previews. This new play by Steve Martin explores the comedic anxiety lurking just beneath the surface of modern marriage. This all-star cast includes stand-up comedian Amy Schumer, Tony Award nominee Jeremy Sheamus, Tony Award winner Laura Benanti, and Keegan-Michael Key, who won an Emmy Award for his Comedy Central series Key and Peele. This production will open on November 29th. Next for Wednesday, Lincoln Center Theater's off-Broadway production of The Wolves begins previews. This is a fly-on-the-wall look at a girls' high school soccer team. The Wolves was a finalist for the 2017 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, and this production will open on November 20th. A revised version of the musical Big Fish begins previews on Wednesday in London at the Other Palace Theater. Emmy, Tony, and Golden Globe Award winner Kelsey Grammer will star as Edward Bloom. This production will officially open on November 8th. Lincoln Center's original Broadway production entitled Junk opens on Thursday. Led by Stephen Pasquale and and directed by Tony winner Doug Hughes, this production paints a portrait of Wall Street at its most powerful and most dangerous. Next on Thursday, The Office Hour opens at the Public Theater. This story explores the dynamic between a teacher, Gina, and her problematic student, Dennis. He writes violently obscene work, and Gina is determined to know whether or not he is a real threat. So she compels Dennis to attend her office hours. Tectonic Theater Project's production Uncommon Sense opens on Friday. Inspired of 
Inspired by true stories of people living on the autism spectrum, Uncommon Sense is a new play that delves into the mysteries of the brain. On Saturday, in London's West End, National Theatre's production of Network begins previews. Howard Beale, a news anchorman, isn't pulling in the viewers, and in his final broadcast, he unravels live on screen. But when the ratings soar, Howard becomes the biggest thing on TV. Howard is portrayed by Emmy, Golden Globe, and Tony Award winner Brian Cranston, who is best known for his role as Walter White on the crime drama series Breaking Bad. Network will officially open on November 13th. I got a question for you guys here real quick. How yeah. long before that opens on Broadway? Like how long Ooh. between it's closing in London and the time they bring it to New York? Because you don't cast Brian Cranston or Brian Cranston doesn't go to London to do this play if he doesn't think that there's a chance to bring it to Broadway as well. At least in my opinion, I don't think he does. Yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah. All right. Uh, now moving on to the closings for this week. First, National Theatre's production of Follies in London's West End will close on November 4th. Tony Award winner Tracy Bennett, along with Olivier Award winners Janie D and Imelda Staunton star in this production. The Broadway production War Paint will close on November 5th. This musical stars two-time Tony Award winning legends Patti Lapone and Christine Ebersol with direction by Michael Greif. The off-Broadway production Curvy Widow at the Westside Theater starring Tony Award nominee Nancy Opel is also set to close on November 5th. Playwrights Horizons production of The Treasurer will close on November 5th. This production features Deanna Dunnigan, who is well known for her Tony Award-winning performance as Violet Weston in August Osage County. Connecticut's Long Wharf Theater's production of Fireflies will close on November 5th. This production features Tony and Emmy Award winner Jane Alexander, Tony nominee Dennis Arndt, and Tony winner Judith Ivey. Lastly, the world premiere of Prince of Egypt will close on November 5th in Mountain View, California at the Mountain View Center for the Performing Arts. And that's it for this week's theatrical calendar. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt, And subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Natalie, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thank you so much for listening to Today on Broadway. Have a great day. Bye.